Hey, I'm Daniel, a political activist and campaigner turned management consultant turned coach. And this is PolitikWise, the podcast where politics meets personal development. Let's face it, it's easy to criticize those in politics. But being in politics is not an easy ride. And yet for many who make the leap, it's worth it. They can make a real difference. So how can we have both? How can we make a difference while at the same time showing up as the best version of ourselves? It's a question that's been with me for the last 20 years. First, when I started out as an activist leading an NGO, then when I did a PhD in politics, and later when I quit my job in consulting to help build up a political movement and run an election campaign. And today, as I coach young leaders who want to make a difference while staying true to themselves. I know the answers are out there, so join me on this podcast. We'll hear from political leaders, from psychologists, neuroscientists, philosophers about their findings and experiences. And together, we learn about the ideas, mindsets, and tools of wise people in politics and beyond. Let's go. This episode is about trust, what it actually means, how we create it, and how we lose it. And what I will be doing is I will be bringing in a framework from a business setting, which I found really helpful. And I will refer to some of the social science behind trust. And then want to briefly discuss from all of this, what, it, what does that mean for a political context? What does it mean for when you are in politics and have to think about trustworthiness of yourself and others? But first, let's start with why think about trust at all. Um, the first thought I had and coming across some of the statistics is a significant decline of trust in democratic politics. Have a look at OECD surveys, for example. And what you will see is that half of the respondents, so citizens in democracies, would say that they trust the national government. And the other half, and that's the significant point here, the other half would say that they do not trust the national government. There are statistics out there that go even further uh, and make a more fundamental message that there has been a significant decline of trust in democracy as a system. And that's worrisome. That's worrisome because if you think that the citizens themselves do not trust and thereby support the system, um, then it makes the democratic system vulnerable uh, to attacks from, from the inside and, and the outside. The second reason why to think about trust is that, well, on an individual level, if you think about a politician and what it does to a politician uh, to be in an environment that is distrustful, there's evidence showing that this is a significant stressor. It's something that significantly contributes to the stress of a politician, that they are working in an environment where they are not being trusted and where they are perhaps not sure who they can trust. And the third reason is that, well, why do we need trust? Because it makes life in a democracy more efficient. It makes not just in a democracy, it makes our everyday life more efficient. It sustains cooperation. If we can trust another person and perhaps do not need to sign a contract for everything, that just makes things much easier. Uh, and so it's been called the glue of a functioning society. The more trust we have, the easier things are for us. Now then, what does it actually mean 
to be trustworthy. And this is where I want to bring in this framework from the business setting. Um, it's being used quite quite a bit and I have found it helpful in my own work. And um, what this framework does it is it deconstructs the elements of trust. So you might have felt as well that when one person talks about trust, they mean something different from the other person. And this is because there are certain elements to trust. And what this framework does, it deconstructs them and then puts them into a formula so that we could even calculate our own trustworthiness score or the score of others. So these are the elements of trustworthiness. The formula is trustworthiness equals credibility plus reliability plus intimacy and all of that divided by self-orientation. So the elements are credibility. Credibility here means can I trust what the other person says? Are they credible on that topic? Are they perhaps an expert? Can I trust that what they say is correct, is right? Reliability means can I trust the other person to do what they said they would do? So I will I will send you that email by next Tuesday. Uh, is the person actually doing that? Are they are they sticking to their commitments? Intimacy is interesting here, especially in a business context, but even in a political context. Um, intimacy is can I trust to open up towards the other? Can I trust the other with sensitive information and and share and be be open and vulnerable towards the other person? Or not. And finally, self-orientation, also you could say self-interest, is what's the perspective of the other person? Is it more towards their own self and their self-interest or do they have my interest at heart? I think here a good example would be perhaps in the most negative way the sleazy car sales person, right, that wants to sell us a car and we just don't trust them and often it comes down to well because they just want to make a deal for themselves right they want to get the best deal out of themselves and do not really care about us now these are all the elements and and self-orientation is at the bottom so while you want to increase your credibility your reliability and your intimacy you want to decrease your self-orientation so the more you come across as someone who really has the interest of the other person at heart, the higher the trust. So that's how the formula at least works. And often in a business setting, and I would also argue in a political context, self-orientation is one of the key levers that you can take. And I'm thinking here of a few examples. And I'm thinking of, for example, the Ukrainian President Zelensky. In those very first weeks of the Russian invasion, um, It was striking and I think that was um, created a lot of buzz around the world when he decided to stay in the country, right? When he de de decided to decline that offer uh, to flee uh, to the United States and said, no, I'm not fleeing, I'm staying in the country, uh, saying something along the lines of, I don't, I don't need a taxi, I, I need ammunition. And this idea of putting himself And, and his family in harm's way, not taking the easy way out. Um, 
I can imagine that contributed significantly to trust in him by the Ukrainian people, um, by by people outside of the Ukraine, and that he really was someone that you could trust because he had the interests of others at heart and he was taking his own interest, um, uh, putting that at the in the in, in the back seat. I'm also thinking of another head of government uh, in the past, uh, Angela Merkel, very different, uh, obviously, but similar in that I think what made her trust so high was, uh, apart from the credibility, reliability, was that uh, she had low self-orientation. She had this low-key attitude. Um, she frequently stressed herself that she saw herself as a servant of her fellow citizens. And by her whole demeanor, by her whole um, appearance, you could tell, well, yeah, she isn't in it for herself, right? She doesn't um, value as much the, the perks and the privileges that come with her position. What I like about this formula is that it makes it so much more tangible, um, this topic of trust and, and, and where you are. You could, as I said, you could score yourself. You could ask others to evaluate yourself and you could do the same for others. Um, but, and, and even if not, it's just helpful to have those elements of trust in mind that it's about being credible, being reliable, having that sense of intimacy that you know, you're open and the other person is open. And uh, that uh, you've got the interest of others at at heart, and I think much of this is also supported by social science research, which broadly speaking says that trust is um, about two things: the two key ingredients. It's warmth and and competence. And so, competence I think is is clear. Um, can we display competence by, for example, the display of our titles? Uh, if you've got a master's degree or or a doctor doctorate degree, um, the the words you use, the actual competence behind it, and research is pointing to that. What's not so so important is the actual competence, but more the perception of competence, and obviously the the two are linked. Um, but it's it's very much at least initially in a relationship uh, about the perception of competence. And warmth is something that you can convey with words. So, for example, if you say a few more times than necessary, sorry. Um, if you say thank you, things like that. Uh, you can display warmth. It's through nonverbals such as touch or proximity, depending on the context, obviously. And then by what you actually do. And um, interesting uh, fact out there that uh, presidents in the US, but I think across across countries often get a dog when they go into the White House. Um, and even the Obama family, I think, one of the daughters had an allergy. Uh, but they still got the dog because presidents know that this increases, increases the warmth and the relatability. So those two things, competence and warmth, much of the social science research points towards. There's also a relationship between warmth and competence that the science points towards, which is that having more competence does not necessarily add to your trustworthiness. So when we are perceived as competent already, it helps to introduce some vulnerabilities, some weakness. And there, there are 
not just the studies out there, but also case studies, if you look into politics, of politicians running who are very capable, very credible in their expertise and their in their in their in their knowledge knowledge of policy, public policy, but um, just not so successful because perhaps not so trustworthy in the eyes of citizens. And what then would uh, often have helped in those campaigns was to introduce some relatability, some warmth into it. Perhaps the candidates talking a little bit more about their own personal story, perhaps sharing a little bit more of themselves, what drives them, what's important to them. Perhaps even becoming very personal, and that's a matter of taste, obviously, but just talking about their own family, their own background, um, introducing some of that. And that that science points towards not just the studies but i think anecdotal evidence um really helps but there's an important caveat here uh, you need to have competence before demonstrating vulnerability and introducing some of the some of the weakness um, in a situation where you haven't established your competence uh, but then show vulnerability and weakness that uh, that doesn't help you so The, the, the two go together, but I think the order would first be uh, establish competence in the eyes of others, and then um, it's not a matter of more competence uh, always helps, uh, but it's a matter of balancing it out with, with some warmth. If you're interested in more of the social science about uh, trust, but also beyond that, there's a great book called Friend and Foe by Adam Galinsky and... Um, Schweitzer, professors at Columbia and Wharton Business Schools, and they go into into that. The book is all about cooperation and competition, and when we need to compete, and when do we need to cooperate, and, and how to do both of those successfully. So that's that's a bit of the subtitle. Uh, a fantastic book, I can only recommend. I want to end on a note of caution. Uh, it's actually two notes of caution, uh, and the first one is that. Trust is helpful, it's a glue of society, it can make things smoother for us, but there is or may be something as too much trust. Because the more trust you have within a group, the easier this can turn into you being wary and perhaps suspicious even of those outside of the group. And it's this classical inside-outside group dynamic here. Um, If you think about the the much of the talk around this hormone uh, oxytocin, right? It's called the the love molecule or the the bonding molecule. Um, it's it's what's responsible for us bonding with others of within a family, uh, both parents, but also beyond that. Um, and it's been hailed as you know the the great hormone. If only more people had more of oxytocin, the bonding molecule, you know things would be easier but it's not as easy as that because what oxytocin does is yes it bonds you to others it bonds you to people you know within your family within your tribe within within a broader group but that can easily turn into making the distinction to others more clear-cut and strengthen strengthening that so a lot of trust within the group but distrust towards those who do not belong to the groups And so I think that's that's a broad caution cautionary note here, I think, for all of us as we build trust. And it's not just like on a societal level. I'm thinking situ about situations uh, I've been in where um, 
the more trust there was already in a group, uh, the more difficult it became for outsiders to join it. The more difficult it became because the hurdle was so high. So I think that's the, that's the first note. And the second note is how do we use this information? And something I've, I've thought about when I came across this trust equation, it seems quite instrumental. It seems that, hey, <laughs> uh, it seems perhaps even if you're put, um, putting ethics also into the, uh, into the picture, it's manipulative perhaps. And how I would use it not is I, I wouldn't use it the short term. I wouldn't use the trustworthiness equation in the short term thinking, how can I appear, for example, more credible? Um, how can I fake reliability, perhaps, in the short term? Um, because I think it goes against the very essence of what trust is, is all about, right? To be reliable, you need to actually deliver on what you promise sooner or later. Um, to talk in a way that is perhaps selfless, um, that is focused on the other, you can talk that way, but you know it, it will show if you actually behave in that way as well, if you really have the interests of the others at heart. So I think short-term manipulation of this trust equation, uh, yeah, well, perhaps may work in the short term, but I think it goes against, because it goes against the very essence of trust, it, it doesn't, doesn't last for long. And it's difficult to sustain. Even if you wanted to do it, I think it's difficult to sustain over the long term. So that's not how I would use this information, but how I would use this information and how it has helped me and people I've worked with was to create awareness. So both for yourself and for others. So for example, when you do not trust someone, why is that? Is it because you don't think they are credible, reliable, that you can't share with them sensitive information, um, that they do not have your interests at heart? Why, why is it? So you can explore that a little bit. But also you can ask um, yourself, where do you think are you in terms of trustworthiness? It depends on different contexts, obviously, but you could ask yourself in a business context, in a professional context, in a political context, or in a private context, you know, how trustworthy are you? What is your what is your strength? What is your weakness? Perhaps you're really credible because you're an expert, but you're not so reliable. Or you do not really it doesn't really come across that you uh, are thinking about others. And some an exercise often done is actually then to use the trustworthiness equation and to just like score yourself. And then, interestingly, not just stop there, but then ask others to do the same. And then you can see and have a look at the at the gap between how you see yourself, your trustworthiness in a specific context, versus how others see your trustworthiness. And that's an interesting basis for discussion, right, uh, or reflection. And so this is how I would use this information, not for short-term manipulation, because I don't think it works. I don't think something that we would want to do but it's um it's an, it's a great tool to create awareness for where are you in terms of trustworthiness and uh and where do you think others are um because i think from that you can then you can we can start working on it right if you think if you have the sense of someone else isn't i've got the sense of someone else isn't that trustworthy why is it 
And once you've got a clearer picture on that, you can perhaps have a, a more fruitful discussion, conversation with the other about that. Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening. I hope you liked the episode. Please share it with someone who might find it valuable as well. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover or a guest I should talk to, let me know. You can find out more on my website. Head over to politicwise.org. Until the next time.